Good evening. Let's, uh, let's pray while the podium comes. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. And as we shift from worshiping you in song to hearing what you're having to say to us, Lord, in a, in a different medium, we just intentionally continue to engage our hearts with your spirit. And as we proceed with the message tonight, Lord, that what you're saying to each and every person would come through clear, that you would give us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our hearts would be open and flooded with light tonight, that we may know, Lord, who you've made us to be, the inheritance that you've given us and the power that you've made available to us. And we just thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I am really happy to be here with you all tonight. Um, you know, Nick was talking about thankfulness, and I uh, was aware that I'm thankful that I'm here and that I have energy again, so that's nice. Um, I don't know how many of you all were here last week, but I was supposed to be and wasn't. Uh, I was going to wrap up the, uh, the series that I've been doing here, the, the, it was supposed to be for three nights, and Pastor Bernie graciously invited me to come back this week to wrap it up. Last week, I was pretty sick on Tuesday, and I was emailing Sarah, the service coordinator, <laughs> I said, you might want to have a plan B, and then uh, on Wednesday she said, well, how are you? And I said, well, and I waited, and I ate a piece of toast, and it stayed down. So that was good. And so I, <laughs> I emailed her back and said, I ate toast, and it stayed down. I think I'm going to come. And then she emailed me back about a half hour later and said, Bernie would rather you not. Um, why don't you stay home? And, uh, and rest up, and we'll see you next week. So I'm thankful to be here. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Matt. Uh, formerly, I was um, a pastor here on staff and uh, oversaw the Freedom Ministry here. Now Pastor Deb Curtis does that. And I've been talking about a lot of things that they talk about in the Freedom Ministry here. And I, I hope in the time that I've been with you, it's kind of whetted your appetite because I'm surely not covering all there is to cover. I'm really just giving you a little bit, and, and so I hope that whets your appetite, and I hope you'll engage in the freedom ministry process here at Resurrection Life Church. There's classes that are ongoing, uh, big event that, that they do, I, I'm not sure how many times a year now, but I know one is coming up in April called Kairos. I'd highly recommend you coming, a life-changing event. But anyway, just a quick recap uh, my first two weeks here, uh, talking about having a soul oriented toward a life of freedom. And so the first week that I was here uh, talked about having a biblical definition of freedom, um, and I, I can't recap that whole thing, but just the, the idea that we need to have the right target, we need to have a biblical target that we're pursuing in this thing called freedom. Otherwise, we can pursue things that are not freedom and end up in more bondage than when we started or just perpetuating the same bondage or trading it for other bondage. Uh, the, the definition that we landed with, and there was a series of scriptures and thoughts attached to this, and it's a synthesis of those ideas, is this statement, to respond to God fully out of who he created and redeemed you to be. There's a whole lot implied in that that I can't unpack right now, but if you want to, you can check that out or come to the freedom classes and, and get more of that. The second week, I talked about after we get free from bad definitions of freedom, then we need to be free from ourself. 
We can have the right target, but if the, the journey that we're on, we are the source of our own life and our own freedom, uh, we're still not gonna end up in the right place. And I talked about this ancient problem that humanity has that Jesus came to solve and that sometimes, I would say, actually say often, we misinterpret the problem Jesus came to solve what makes it difficult to actually have it solved in our life. Now, we classically think of it as people are bad behaving and they need to become good behaving. And uh, so that can order a lot of our processes and how we approach God and how we try to get freedom. We try to do, uh, we, we work harder to do better. A lot of the times working out of ourself as the source of our own life. And we looked at the problem Jesus came to solve, that that's it, the nature of it is that we are our own source living by our own knowledge of good and evil. We talked about the two trees in the garden and how a life of freedom is one where I'm not living as my own source, living off my knowledge of good, even if it's the best knowledge of good, but when I disconnect from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and plug into God by surrendering my life to Jesus Christ and begin living a life where he is the source of who I am and I begin to live not just from my knowledge of good and evil, but a life informed by the Spirit of God. And I ended that message talking about the best way that I know how to unplug from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and stay plugged into that tree of life is what we're talking about tonight, which is hearing God's voice. And so in having a soul oriented toward freedom, I think it's very important that we have a soul oriented toward hearing God's voice. And I think that's an important picture, this idea of orientation, that we, we may be kind of nebulous or out here, but we orient ourselves, we posture ourselves, we position ourselves in order to hear what God is saying. In that statement, it's implied that he's speaking. It's not that we're trying to convince him to talk to us, it's that God is speaking. The very nature of God is revealed in one of his names, is it is the word of God. <laughs> He is a God who speaks. The whole biblical account is this account of a God who interacts with and speaks to people. The whole reason we have this wonderful God-inspired text is because God speaks. And I would submit to you, he is still speaking. It's part of his very nature. And not only that, but we were created to hear him. And not only to hear him, but to live from his voice. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, uh, quoting Deuteronomy in his temptation in the wilderness, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I think it's a good thing to meditate on, that what does it look like to be a person who lives from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? The thing I love about that statement is every time you read it, it is present tense. It's today. It implies, what is he saying today? And I love it too that it says man shall not live by, it correlates our hunger for bread and our need to be nurtured in our physical body with that need that we need to be nurtured spiritually by the Lord. I referenced John chapter six, uh, the second week I was here, how Jesus pointed at the natural hunger in us in order to amplify the spiritual hunger in us. He said don't labor for the bread that you eat and tomorrow is gone but labor for that bread that gives eternal life. And then he said, I am the bread of life. 
And so there's a place in us that can't be satisfied, this hunger that we have for freedom, this hunger that we have for life, that a lot of times we, we look in a lot of different avenues and a lot of different ways to satisfy that, but it's only the Lord Jesus Christ that can satisfy that. And through hearing his voice is how I've learned to eat. And so a soul oriented toward freedom is one that is living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in that scripture where it says every word, it is the Greek word rhema, which, which is, is the breath of God, what he's saying. So if we're going to be a people that live by every word that proceeds from his mouth, it's what is he saying today? And it's also implied that he's saying something. So we want to have souls that are oriented to hear what it is he is saying. So we serve a God who speaks, and he's given us the capacity to hear. We need to hear that truth to be set free to hear him, because some of us, we're not so sure that he does, but he does, and we were created not only to hear, but to live from that voice, and there's a number of scriptures just a couple that I can give again. That other one was Matthew 4.4. I don't know if it popped up up there, but another one is John 10.27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. You know, sometimes we think that hearing God's voice is for the, like, the spiritual elite, but I think, I think all of us can at least go, I'm at least a sheep, right? <laughs> and Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. It's not for the spiritual elite, it's for everyone. God created us to live from his voice. So with that being said, I wanna look at a couple different things here. One, the importance of hearing God as it relates to freedom, the topic that we're talking about. And then I wanna talk about ways that we hear God and ways that we discern his voice, and then I'm gonna wrap up with some personal stories of my own to kinda help it be a little more relatable. And, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll probably do a little bit of an activity. Um, you'll be in your seats and doing it on your own. You know, you know, don't worry about that until we get there. So the importance of, God, of hearing God as it relates to freedom. Number one is this. Faith comes by hearing. Uh, John 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And again, this is that idea of the breath, the spoken word of God. And faith is, how many of you guys have heard of the topic, you've heard of faith, and you've heard that it's important to the Christian life. You've probably heard sermons on faith, you've probably heard a lot about it, and it's important to a life of freedom. Just a, a couple verses, one, 1 John 5, 4 says that, that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It, 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 if you look at it in the, the Greek, it's like the means to victory. Faith is the means to victory that overcomes the world. If we wanna have an overcoming the world kind of life, faith is directly related to that. And, and another verse, actually there's a series of verses, I think there's four references altogether. Um, but Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. And again, it's quoted in three other places. And you know, for me to kind of like really drive home what that's saying, it's almost, I, I almost say in my head when I read it, the human shall live by breathing. The just shall live by faith. It's a vital thing to the life of a believer is this idea of faith. But sometimes living from the wrong tree, we can get caught up in this idea, and, and all of you kind of have an idea what I mean by that from our prior message but living as our own source from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which we can slip into at any time, we can get this idea that faith is something that I have to work up, that I have to conjure up, and we end up doing something, at least for me, it always felt like I was trying really hard to convince myself that something was true. <laughs> 
If I just believe, 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 ah, and then I'd get down and I'd have a headache and I'd be tired. You know, and, and somehow I'd be, I, I got, you know, convinced that faith came by like trying to believe really hard. But it's important that scripture says this, faith comes by hearing. So if faith is at a low ebb in your life, and again, it's important for a life of the believer and a life of freedom, it's not that we have to get to a place to work it back up. We need to get quiet and hear God. We need to hear God's voice. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The second idea is this. God wants to, of why freedom, uh, I'm sorry, why hearing God is, is important as it relates to freedom. The second idea of this, God wants to talk to you about who you are and who he is. God wants to talk to you about who you are and who he is. Lasting change in our life comes about as we have an increased revelation of knowing about who God is and who he created us to be. Identity, who we are, and who he is. Romans 8, verse 15 and 16. Probably up there, I'll just read it from there. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Another version says his spirit bears witness. His spirit testifies with our spirit. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. One of the things that God's spirit is saying to us is that we are children, that he's our father. The spirit of God is conferring identity to us and to have a soul oriented toward freedom and Hearing God's voice is ears that are leaning in and listening for, God, who, who are you really and who have you made me to be? You know, I, in, in my own personal theology growing up, I always had a belief that God spoke to me, but the way that I thought about that was that he typically would only speak to me correction or direction and in times of like real great need. You know, that, that if I was, you know, stuck at a crossroads and it was like, you know, do I go to Bible college or do I continue going to Grand Rapids Community College? And I try really hard to hear, I might hear him say, go to Bible college. And then I would go. And then I would be, it would be a few months again before I'd hear him again, you know. Or, or I was pretty convinced that if I was doing something wrong, I'd get like a, stop that, don't do that, stop it. You know, and he does those things, <laughs> okay? But what I found is, according to this verse and other verses, Jesus said, it's better that I go. He's talking to the disciples. He says, it's better that I go, and I'm gonna send the Spirit. I'm gonna send the Comforter. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you fatherless. And he says, I'm sending the Spirit to comfort you, to help you, and to 
confer sonship and daughtership and family identity and inheritance on you. And the Spirit of God is talking to us about who he is and who we are, more than just correction and and direction, but identity. I remember the first time this hit me, um, I was actually listening to, uh, you know, the gentleman that, that mentored me in all this, his name is Bob Hamp, and you can look him up online. He's a fantastic teacher. I was listening to his teaching on hearing God eight, nine, I don't know how many years ago, but I remember he got to this point and I listened to it and I was just struck by it that God wanted to talk to me about who I am and who he is. And that idea that anywhere, you know, Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, that that idea that anywhere we're not free, we're still believing a lie. And the two most powerful places we can be bound is in that place of believing lies about who we are and believing lies about who he is. And he presented this idea and I saw it in scripture and I remember eagerly going back to a time of prayer and saying, oh my goodness, God, talk to me about that. I wanna hear that. Because up until that point, I was convinced that was totally my job. Like if I was gonna know anything about God, if I was gonna know anything about who I was in Christ, that it was completely up to me. Um, A highly kind of deistic idea that that God is kind of off and distant and he's given me the Bible and I'm on my own. voracious reader of scripture, but just this idea that he was interested in wanting to talk to my heart about me. I was so excited, and I remember I prayed, and it was, you know, I don't know how long it was later, but I remember I was in the ground floor. I was a pastor on staff. (laughs) I wanna just say that just because it makes it funnier to me. Um, And I'm in the ground floor, and a colleague comes up to me. (laughs) And I remember I was sitting there talking with them, and they're talking to me, and you know, on the outside, I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. You know, affirming and listening. And on the inside, I was eviscerating him. Nobody's ever done that, right? On the inside, I was going, man, when are you gonna stop? oh, I feel like you're so phony right now. Just be real. You know, I'm, and on the inside, I'm just, I'm tearing the guy up. And this was a common internal dialogue for me and one that, you know, every once in a while I'd feel bad about, but I didn't question a whole lot. And I remember doing that and listening to him. And then I, I in my heart, in my mind, I had what I know to be God interrupt my thought. And I heard in my heart, In your quest for validation, you seek to invalidate others in order for you to feel better. And it just, the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit. And it just sliced right through my heart in a good way. When I heard that, I heard it and felt completely loved, completely cared for, not in any way shamed or condemned, but invited into something new. And I remember as soon as I could get alone, I did, and I just began to just call out to God, say, what is this? And, and, and the idea began to come that God wanted to be the one to validate me. God wanted to be the one to honor me, to let me know that I'm loved, to let me know my value, to let me know my worth. But in the absence of him doing that, in the absence of me connecting with that, I would look for it externally and get in this pattern of either lifting myself up internally and and to feel validated, or when I get around somebody that performs better than me, I feel invalidated. 
and on the quest goes. But with God supplying that value, that worth, that identity, that security, can step into a place of looking at other people and saying, God, what do you see? And now I can partner with you and I can begin to enter into a redemptive co-laboring with you and begin to see other people not from a place of emptiness, not from a place of hunger and longing to be validated, but from a place of fullness. And it began this journey for me that frankly is still going on of God just unraveling my soul in a really good way and him beginning to father me and beginning to speak to me and beginning to reveal more and more of who he really is as a father and who I really am as a son. And if we're going to begin to walk in freedom, we need a shift from just simply asking God, where do I go and what did I do wrong to God, who are you? And who do you, who do you say that I am? That we would lean in and let God begin to father us in that way. Third idea, Um, it's the best way that I know how to intentionally shift from our knowledge of of good and evil to the tree of life, and I already talked about that, so I won't belabor that point. Um, I guess only just to say it's something that we can slip into very easily, and as much as we've had a habit of being our own source and living from our own knowledge of good and evil, we need to begin to create habits of reorienting to a place of, God, what are you saying? God, is there anything more you want to say to me? And, and I think a, a, another thing in our separating from our own knowledge of good and evil and stepping into hearing God is being willing to lay down our, what we know, if that makes sense. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, because you say you see, you're blind. And there's this idea that if we think we know something, we're not leaning in to hear that maybe there's more to know. And to disconnect from the, that, our own knowledge of good and evil and to connect with God, I, I've learned to take on a posture of, God, I think I know stuff. But correct me if I'm wrong and show me who you really are. Show me what you want to say to me, that we come with humility to the Lord. When we come to, to study and to look at things in Scripture, that we come with a place of humility and say, God, I think I know some things, but I want to I hear what you're saying. So um, I'm going to move on now then to primary mediums through which we hear God's voice. Number one, first and foremost, we hear God's voice through Scripture. We hear God's voice through Scripture, that, that, that every word of Scripture is inspired by God and God speaks to us through Scripture. Now, um, I also presented to you a couple weeks ago the idea that we can read the Bible and not hear God. Um, Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter five, he, he says to them, you've never heard the Father at any time. And then he goes on to say, you search the scriptures, thinking that in them are life, but they are those which testify and bear witness of me that you would come to me and I would give you life. That kind of messes with your head, doesn't it? You know, so what, what I encourage people then is read the Bible to hear God. When you read, sit down and make it not just an academic thing, although academics aren't bad. You know, be a good interpreter of the text, read things in context, you know, be responsible, but make it relational. Lean in and listen, so to speak. God, what do you want to say to me? 
What are you saying to me today? And have these ears, the ears of your heart open and listening, you know, and not just reading scripture to win the argument on Facebook. That's the wrong tree. <laughs> That's funnier than you guys realize, I think. But um, I'll move along. Um, the second thing is through teachers and preachers, Ephesians chapter four talks about the fivefold ministry being set in the body to equip the saints. Teachers and preachers that are plugged into the right tree, God will speak through them. I know, have you ever been in service and, and, and the pastor's preaching and all of a sudden it's almost like another sermon starts on the inside of your soul? You know, God speaks to us through the ministry of the word given to us by teachers, preachers, evangelists, pastors, prophets, all of those guys. So we can hear through the fivefold ministry and through just people that are teaching and sharing the word. And thirdly, through other people. It doesn't have to be fivefold. The Bible talks about this idea of the prophetic. Um, I, I'm gonna make that so simple. It's just that some, you hear something and you deliver it. You know, and, and in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says that we should des uh, earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit and pursue love. You know, so sometimes, you know, you may have had experiences in the past with somebody telling you something from God and it wasn't great and it was kind of weird. Don't let that stop you. I would just encourage you because God's not weird, but people can be. Um, and sometimes we miss it, you know. But I still think it's worthy to pursue. It's worthy to lean into. And then fourthly, God speaks to us in lots of other creative ways. I mean, there's so many different creative ways God speaks to people throughout scriptures, and there's so many ways God can talk to us. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna continue to move on, but there's so many ways. I mean, uh, uh, you know, a donkey talks to somebody. God speaks through a donkey. God speaks through a hand writing on a wall. God speaks through people that don't even know him, you know, throughout scripture. You know, there's all these different ways that God speaks, and then he can speak to us. Another important thing that I want to mention is that the primary mechanism through which God speaks, I told you that we were created with the capacity to hear God. We were created with the internal uh, stuff <laughs> to hear God's voice. Our souls, our hearts were created with the capacity to connect with God and to hear his voice. I think one of the biggest things that keeps us from tuning into what God is saying is that we have some really wrong and lofty expectations of what that's like. And some of that's our fault, our meaning the teachers up here saying, you know, sometimes we make it sound like that hearing God is just this fantastical endeavor. And it is, it's really cool. But it's often really quiet and internal and like a whisper. And sometimes I feel like we get this idea it's gonna be the roof shakes and rattles and boom! Well, I must not have heard God because I'm not even sure if I did. Well, that's, you're getting there. It takes practice, it takes leaning in, it takes listening, it takes testing it, it takes discerning it. But God has given us the internal multimedia theater room of our heart as the place, primary place, that he talks to us. All those, or all those media, mediums that I mentioned that he talks to us through, it hits us here first. It hits us here first. And God has given us that internal world of our spirit and heart to where he speaks to us. 1 Corinthians 2 talks about the idea that it is spirit to spirit. Romans 8 that we already read, his spirit bears witness with our spirit. It's this internal reality. Ephesians 1, um, chapter, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Paul talks about the idea that he wants the eyes of your heart open so you can know some stuff. 
Did you know that your heart has eyes and ears? Right? And, and in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about the eyes of our hearts being unveiled and that we behold the Lord. Where? In our hearts. We see him in our hearts. And as a result of seeing him from the heart, in the heart, we're transformed into his very image from glory to glory. But sometimes we, in our prayer time and in our time with God, we actually spend a lot of energy trying to shut our heart down. We're trying not to imagine the cheeseburger that we so long to eat or the gluten-free soy burger, you know, whichever side of the fence you're on. Um, but, you know, we spend that time shutting it down instead of inviting the Lord to speak and pay attention to what's happening there. Oh, God speaks to us in the way that it comes into our soul, we either tend to hear, now again, it's not out here, although that can happen, I've never experienced it, but it can be audible, but we hear internally, or we see pictures, or we sense, or get impressions of what he's saying, impressions of, uh, impression is like um, communication but without language. Uh, I love the, the picture of you know, a, a parent holding their, their baby. You know, there's, not, there's no words being spoken. Or me sitting on the couch with my son. We're just sitting there silent. But there's so much communication happening. I love you. You're safe. We can just be together. And, and to a baby, in those first, you know, couple, two, three years, there's so much communication through touch that forms that child's soul. And God will... You know, we'll, we'll just have a time with God where we don't hear something or see something, but we sense his presence and his touch, and it's doing something in us. That's God talking to us. That's his communication to us. So we pay attention to that internal theater room of our heart. In the same place we, we hear the song that we really like and we see memories, that's the place. That's the place we want to pay attention to when we're asking God what he's saying and we're listening. Um, you know, and I, I want to say that, I guess emphasize that too, that hearing God heavily implies listening. So much of our prayer is talking, 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 amen out the door. But, you know, prayer should be a two-way street. We talk and we listen. We hear. We lean in. God, what are you saying? And then we're actually quiet. And we pay attention to what's going on in here as we listen for what he's saying. Um, so, talked about the heart and how when God speaks, it comes into our heart. But how many of you guys know lots and lots of stuff comes into our heart? <laughs> the cheeseburger, right? The uh, other stuff that's not even close to being as good as a cheeseburger. I mean, just, so we need to be able to discern, to discern God's voice. And real quick, I want to give you some keys for that. How do we discern God's voice to our heart? Number one, does it line up with Scripture or the nature of God as revealed in Scripture? Now, when I say the nature of God is revealed in Scripture, the most simple way that I know to say this is, what I'm hearing, what I'm sensing, what I'm seeing, does it look like, does it sound like, does it smell like Jesus? Get to know Jesus in Scripture, because the Bible says that he is the exact representation of the Father. In other words, if you want to know what God looks like, no confusion, look at Jesus. 
So with what we're hearing, does it line up with the nature of God as revealed in Scripture? Does it look like Jesus? Does it, does it line up with the, the biblical revelation of who God is? Acts chapter 17, 11, Paul commended the Bereans because they checked up on him in Scripture after he's talked to them. You know, so let's check up on what we're hearing with Scripture to see if it lines up. Number two, and this has been really helpful for me in my own journey, is when we're hearing God, does what we're hearing, does it should produce one or some of the fruit of the Spirit in our heart and in our life? As laid out in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, um, which says... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So when I'm listening for God, there should be, if his Spirit is at work, there should be some evidence of the fruit of his Spirit. Is it good? Is it gentle? Is it kind? Is it loving? Does it produce self-control? Does it produce these things within me? Does it produce long-suffering? Can I stay in the game and I'm energized? You know, is what I'm hearing, does, is there the fruit of the Spirit accompanying that? That has been such a helpful discerner for me because I used to listen for God and so much of what I'd hear, I had fear wrapped up in it. Shame and guilt wrapped up in it. And now I've been able to have the dividing line and go, that's not God. I'm leaning in and I'm listening for his spirit. I also love that last fruit because it really helps us. Self-control. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we're listening for God and it seems that all we get is stuff for other people and, and, and we feel compelled to control them. I, I would just encourage you to say that when God is speaking to you, often, you know, the fruit that should come should be the ability to control yourself, not others. I'll just leave that there. Okay. So the fruit of the spirit we should have some sense of the fruit of the Spirit in our heart and in our life. Thirdly, what we're hearing should have the capacity within it to produce freedom in us, to set us free. Now I say the capacity because if we hear but yet we don't surrender and agree with what we're hearing, we may not walk in that freedom. But when we hear, if we surrender and we agree, it can begin to have its work in our life because when God speaks to us, it isn't just words, it is power, it is substance. When God says light, light actually happens. I remember there was a time I was sitting and I was toiling over something and I, I didn't know what to do and I was stressed out and I just sat down and I said, God, what are you saying? And I sat and I sat and I, didn't, and I saw, I heard and I saw one word pop up in my heart and it was the word persevere. And when I heard and when I saw that, strength came to my heart. My shoulders went back and the problem didn't go away, but I had freedom in the middle of that problem. And when God speaks to us, it's more than just letters and phrases, it is an invitation and it's power. When God speaks, there's substance. I'm gonna real quick share some stories and then we're gonna lead that into an activation because sometimes you hear all this and sometimes stories can help you step into it a little more. Um, my, this portion of it begins before my first son was born and he is now eight going on nine. And I remember when we found out that we were pregnant with my son, I began to ask God to reveal more of his father heart through me being, becoming a dad. And so we had my son, and I remember being in the hospital and, and remembering that I prayed that and I'm looking at my son and thinking about God and looking at my son and going, okay, all right, revelation, come. Nothing, nothing happened. Um, <laughs> but God is, you know, sometimes I ask God questions and it's two years later, he starts to unravel it. Um, so it was about 
two years later, I went down to an event, much like the event that's gonna be here in April, called Kairos in Dallas. And I remember being at, at Kairos in Dallas and I was in worship and I remember, you know, some of you heard my story from the other times where I, uh, I had a, a really strong battle of just feeling like I was losing my mind with fear, with anxiety, with a lot of different things. God helped me through a lot of that, but there was still some residual of that and I was really tired of it. And I remember going to Kairos going, God, I want you to do more in me with that. Set me even more free. And I remember the first day of Kairos, I was trying really, really hard to hear God. <laughs> um, typically, God's radio station is tuned in at, the, at, the, um, at rest, not striving. Uh, I've, I'm beginning to learn that. And so the second day, I remember going after feeling disappointed the first day and just going, you know what, God? I don't even care if I hear anything about any of that. This isn't a formula, by the way. This is just what happened. I don't care if I hear anything about any of that. I just want to be with you. I just want to worship. I just want to rest. And so I began to worship, and I remember in the middle of a song, I had three distinct memories pop up on that multimedia theater room of your heart, right? And I remember being in worship and going, trying to push it away because I was trying to focus on the Lord, and they were memories about my son, and after a while of pushing it away, it began to like dawn on me, maybe God's talking to me. And so I just let him come. And the first memory was the, uh, the first time my son looked at me and said, I love you, daddy. And it wasn't prompted by his mom. And it was just, it just melted me. And the second memory was I came in the house and he ran to me clear from the other side of the house and jumped into my arms and was so excited that I was home. And I just remember those memories were flooding me and I was just feeling such love and affection for my son. And in that moment of, of, of just letting that wash over me, the love and affection that I felt increased exponentially in my heart and the picture changed and I saw myself running to Jesus. I saw myself looking at him and saying, I love you. And I heard in my heart, and it reminded me of scripture, it said, if you love your son so much, how much more? Do I love you? And I just, my heart became overwhelmed by the love of God. And then the third memory came where we were at fireworks, and my son is a very extroverted, out there kid. And we got to fireworks, and all of a sudden the fireworks started going off, and he just wilted in my arms and got really afraid. And I had dealt with fear, and I didn't want to see my son afraid, and I just remember being angry at fear, but motivated by love for my son, and I just began to, under my breath, rebuke fear. And that memory was playing in my heart. And again, the picture changed, and the Lord was holding me and rebuking fear. And I, I can't tell you what that did for me. It's hard to say the words and, and describe what was going on inside. But that sense of, I'm so tired of dealing with this, I also, I also felt like maybe he's tired of dealing with it. And in that moment, I knew he wasn't. In that moment, I knew how much he loved me. And I remember walking away from that experience with such a different view of God's father heart for me that no amount of reading about it was able to shift. And, and I remember walking away going, there was faith there. And I remember walking away going, okay, I want, I want to line this up with scripture. Jesus, I thought you wanted us to rebuke fear. And I saw in there, you're, you're rebuking the fear. And, and then the, the scripture came to me, perfect love casts out all fear. And I realized the revelation of God's love for me was beginning a deeper work of removing fear from my heart. 
fast forward a bit of time, and uh, I remember I was talking to a friend just about how awesome this reality of hearing God's voice is and how much it was changing me. And he was having the same experience, and he was telling me a story about how he was really struggling mentally with some stuff, which I had a compassion for. And he was telling me how he was talking to God and saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to deal with this. Can you help me? And he said, when he got quiet on that place in his heart, he began to see images of one of his favorite video games. And the Lord began to instruct him and say, when the enemy comes, he comes like this. But if you do this and you do that, you know, and he began, and I, everything he said, I, I was like, man, that, I, have, I could give you scripture for everything you're saying. And, and I walked away from that encounter going, God, I'm relatively certain if I was praying and asked you something and I had images of one of my favorite video games come to mind, I would push that away. And I got this sense that God was wanting me to push my box out a little bit. So I just said, God, I wanna hear from you however you're talking to me. And I'll discern it, I'll test it, but I, wanna, I don't wanna limit how you wanna talk to me. And so I went and I prayed and I said, God, what do you wanna say to me? And as I sat there, the, the image of a cow's head like this in my heart showed up chewing grass. Going, <laughs> I'm like, that's weird and that's not God. Okay, God, what do you wanna say to me? And then I stopped myself. Okay, what did I just say? Okay, God, is there anything you wanna say to me about a cow chewing grass? And so I started, I reached into my knowledge of good and I began to answer my own question. I'm like, I've heard it said when you meditate on scripture, it's like a cow chewing grass and you, they eat it and they swallow it and spit it back up and chew it some more and swallow. Surely that's what this means. And I stopped myself again. I'm like, no, 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 no. God, what do you want to say to me about a cow chewing grass? I felt so silly. <laughs> and then I heard, filled with peace, I want you to go home today and I want you to take your son to see some cows, some horses, some farm animals. And when you do, why don't you tell him that I made these things for him to enjoy and that I love him. That just, that sentence filled my heart and flooded me with peace. I still wasn't very sure, but I'm like, I could do that and that's not too embarrassing. Nobody would even have to know. Here I'm telling you. So I go home. I get my laptop out and I'm looking up, I'm like, I'm relatively certain there's a place by here that has all that in the front yard. We can look at it and be back before dinner's even ready. And as I'm typing, my wife arrives home with our kids and my son runs in the house and he doesn't even say hi to me, but the very first words out of his mouth, he says, Daddy, I wanna see some cows and some horses and some animals. But mom said, no. <laughs> she said, Post Family Farm's not even open and dinner's gotta get ready. I said, hey, honey, I already have it taken care of. We'll be back before dinner. And we got in the car, we drove down the road and we stood out there in front of the pasture. I had my son up on my shoulders and I looked at him. I said, buddy, I just want you to know God loves you so much and he made all this stuff for you to enjoy. And as I said, it just it hit me. God's love for my son, my, God's love for me and my love for my son all in one big moment. And when God speaks, he can just hit so many levels. And again, it began to just shift my understanding of God and to go, God loves us so much that he cares about the whims of a two-year-old boy's heart. And if we'll take the time to lean in and listen, we'll hear it. So, I need to wrap up. But, I tell you those stories to whet your appetite, to give you the confidence to lean in. And I wanna close tonight and just to lean in. So if you would, I just wanna take a couple moments and then we're dismissed. But if you could just close your eyes, 
Bow your heads. As best as you know how to quiet yourself internally, And I want you just to begin to allow yourself to become intentionally aware that God is present. That he's a good dad and he loves you. That he's speaking. In that place of quiet, I, I want you to pay attention to your heart. That multimedia theater room of your heart, pay attention to that. Pay attention to what comes. And I just want you to ask the Lord one really simple, open-ended question tonight. That is, God, what are you saying to me right now? Pay attention to what you see, what you hear, what you sense. Don't be too quick to dismiss something. Maybe it's a cow. I don't know. Pay attention if you sense any of the fruit of the Spirit in that. Does it look like Jesus? feel yourself trying or striving, just do your best just to relax. There's no condemnation, no shame. With your eyes closed, just so I can get a sense, how many of you are sensing something going on in your heart? Just slip your hand up. what to do with that, just begin to thank him. You know, maybe he's saying something simple like, I love you, just to thank him for that and say, agree with that, surrender yourself to that. Maybe he's showing you something. Say something like, God, I, I want that. I agree with that. Do that in me. might not be hearing anything. Sometimes God's, what he's saying to us right now is just simply to be still and to recognize that he's here. Whatever that is, I just want to pray over you. Father, we thank you that you are a near, intimate, and good father. 
I just pray that the conversation that has started would continue. That you would continue to open wide the eyes and the ears of our hearts. That we would become even more sensitive to what you're saying and doing. That we would begin to know you more and to know more of who you made us to be. In Jesus' name.